I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 174. Well, Love Island's back, US and UK. So I'm all kinds of busy. And Big Brother's going on too, but more importantly, Love Island. I haven't watched Big Brother yet, but we did get Hulu Live back again. And so I'm super excited so I can catch up on all my Real Housewives, but I've watched none of them. <laughs> I had a realization though, because like, because I was thinking, I was like, who the fuck has time? Because I feel like I have not had time to sit down to watch those shows. But then last night when I turned on my CPAP, I opened up my app and I was just looking at how many hours of sleep I have gotten on my CPAP, you know, because mm-hmm. it times it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot. <laughs> and it's like, even when I go to bed at like 11 or 12, it's like, no, you still get a good amount of sleep. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking feel like it, okay? No, you're still really tired. I'm still fucking exhausted. <laughs> I need your sleep ability or lack thereof. <laughs> I don't know. This is why I can't have kids. I need a solid nine hours every night. I mean, I don't get that much. That's what my body requires, which is why I'm fucking exhausted all the time. You know who's not exhausted all the time? Who? Patriotters! Well, I don't actually I know I was about lives. to say, you don't know. <laughs> they could be. Well, maybe they don't fall asleep when they listen to us. <laughs> if they do, I'm pretty sure every time you yell Patreoners, you'll wake them up. Or your loud ass laugh. Touche, my friend. Touche. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Bringing it back to Love you? Island. No! <laughs> Kind of, because it's Love Island. Oh, actually, it might have been too hot to handle, but it's basically the same thing. It's on Netflix, though. But it's, they think they're going to Love Island, but then they get there, and for, like, a couple of hours, they are like, oh, my God, we gonna hook up with all these hotties, and then there's, like, an Alexa, but it's, like, Lana is the name of it, but it's, like, a cone that talks to them, basically, so an Alexa, But it's like, you can't have sex, you can't kiss, you can't do any of this stuff. And if you do, you lose some of the prize money that they have to split. It's really funny. Anyway, because these people are like, wait, what? Because obviously no one's like had sex in these like six hours that they've been there. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, I think it was a show. Anyway, but how I said touche, they were talking about something. And I think it was like a really like deep moment, like hey, like, I'm letting go of my past self, blah, blah, blah. And this person was like, touche. But it was kind but I think she meant, like, me too. She was like, touche. And the (laughs) um, person, like, the announcer, so it could have been Love Island, I don't know. But the announcer was like, that's not what that means, honey. But okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, that's so me. (laughs) Like, saying the wrong things. But you had the right... The right, like, sentiment behind yeah. it. Like, how she said it, I know she wasn't like, you know, like, ah, touche. Yeah. But I was like, oh, touche. Like, <laughs> oh, honey, no. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> like, Netflix tried, or whoever it was, they tried to hide it as much as possible, too, because it was, like, really quiet. You know, it was like, oh, touche. Anyway, back to Patreoners. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Raj G. from New Zealand. Cynthia F. from Ohio. Sarah F. from North Carolina. Cynthia G. from Connecticut. Chloe N. from Michigan. Christy B. from Alabama. Amy R. from Washington. Amanda S. from Texas. Nadia R. from West Virginia. And Diana K. from California. Y'all gave me some really hard... uh, state abbreviations this week <laughs> she's I had to really ask bad. For like three of them she's really bad at state abbreviations y'all <laughs> legit had to ask donna three of them <laughs> she's really bad at state abbreviations <laughs> seriously that would be her saw waking up and be like 50 states go uh, could you put my hand in glass please <laughs> oh my gosh have you seen that tiktok Uh, I saved it to show it to you, and I don't think I ever did. Because you know how they were doing those that it was like, like a boy's name that starts with a J and it rhymes with, and it would be like a seasoning or Uh a state? Yeah. 
this guy goes, okay, y'all, we're going to figure this out. And he sings all the states, but he starts them with the letter J. So he's like, Jalabama, Jarkinsaw. Like, he like <laughs> sings it. And I was like, damn, he did so good. Like, he sang the whole thing, putting J's in front of all yeah. of them. It was so funny. I can't sing it without the J's. Anyway, Patreoners. We are on weird tangents today. We got to focus. Okay. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon and supporting us. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Hey, and if you're a member of Patreon and you haven't gotten your thank you video yet, just know that they are on the way sometime. Yes, because, you know, we were sick. Well, you know, we suck. So they're coming. We promise. Yes. Be patient. Y'all are the best. We love you. Thank you. Bye. Look. Here, kids, gather around, never procrastinate, because when you're like, oh, we'll catch up, then one of you gets sick, so then you don't do it. And then the next person gets it from the person who was sick, and then y'all go out of state to a thing, and then you're still not finished. (laughs) So here we are. But y'all are going to get them, and they're going to be great-ish. Just kidding mediocre like us (laughs) love you bye (laughs) all right so my story this week got me fucking turnt maybe i should say lit it got me pissed it got me fucking pissed i'm just wondering if it's going to be something that i can agree with or disagree with because if i don't agree with it she's gonna be real pissed if you don't agree with me on this story we're not doing the podcast anymore oh lord i'm laying down the gauntlet well y'all heard it here first it's her fault (laughs) (laughs) okay picture it 1995 internet chat rooms booming right aol instant messenger hell yeah you're getting your you're getting your away message going and 15 year old Alyssa garcia is in texas just crafting her away message oh well i imagine I don't actually know, but she's on the internet and she meets a guy by the name of Stephen Platel. Stephen's 20 years old and they hit it off. He's a little old for her and her parents are mm, not too keen on it, but they develop a relationship over the internet and Alyssa falls in love with Stephen. Stephen lives in New York and like I said, Alyssa lives in Texas so, Stephen, being, you know, that he's fucking 20 years old, and Alyssa's 15, Stephen makes a trip from New York to Texas so that they can meet and see if the feelings are mutual face-to-face. He gets there, and they head it off. So, eventually, against Alyssa's parents' wishes, but she does it anyway, she ends up moving back to New York with Stephen, and they end up getting married. A couple of years later, when Alyssa's 17, she gets pregnant and gives birth to a baby girl by the name of Denise. And at this point, it's 1998. So, you know, it's it's like kind of in that weird like two and a half slash three years. So it's like she's still only 17, but it's like three calendar years later, you know. So she's 17. Stephen's like 22. They're young. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a great relationship. It's a rocky relationship. And according to Alyssa, Stephen would abuse Denise. He would pinch Denise until he left bruises on her. Oh my gosh. Now, the next part I'm going to say, it's, well, content warning because it involves child abuse. But this also, this part came from the Daily Mail. So, I don't know, allegedly. This part also came out way later, so it may or may not be true. But allegedly, when Denise was crying, Stephen would put her in a cooler to, like, muffle the crying. What? And then, like, keep her there until basically all the air was gone and she was right on the verge of suffocating and then let her out. Oh my gosh. But again, that came out way later. And from my understanding, the Daily Mail is more of like a tabloid type magazine. So I'm not really sure. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Like more sensationalized. Yeah. Like, like us weekly. Like it's more like, you know what I mean? Yes. 
But because of the abuse and the lack of money and them being young, Alyssa makes the decision to put Denise up for adoption. So Denise is adopted by Anthony and Kelly Fusco. Once they adopt Denise, they actually changed her name to Katie. And so for the rest of my story, she's going to be known as Katie because that becomes her legal name. So once she's adopted, she moves in with Anthony and Kelly Fusco in Dover, New York. Anthony is a officer with the New York State Department of Corrections. And Kelly is a secretary for the town's land use department, wherever the fuck that is. Oh, they have, like, good pensions and everything. That, of course, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, right. They don't make shit for while they're there, uh-huh. but then they have real good retirement. Yeah. Katie had a great childhood. The Fuscos also had a biological daughter, so she had a sibling growing up. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, but they had a lot of love. I mean, like, the classic, like, they had what they needed. And she had a great childhood And she had a good education, and she was very artistic. She loved to draw, and she would copy her mom's drawings. And so, okay, let me just say this. So what I'm going to do from here on out, just to keep moms and dads and, like, biologicals and adopted parents straight, I'm going to call her adopted parents mom and dad, and then her biological parents if I'm talking about them, I'm going to refer to them by name, or I'll call, I'll say her biological mom, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Just because, I mean, they're her adopted parents. Like, yeah, well, I feel like that's what she would call them. Right, exactly. So, like I said, she was very artistic. And at a young age, her mom could draw. And so she would copy her mom's drawings. And that's how she started drawing more. And then she started doing like, comic strips and that kind of thing and drawing was just kind of her safe space it was how she was able to express herself and even kind of rebel against rules and and that kind of thing all the while Katie is living her best life with the Fuscos Alyssa and Steven are still married and they end up having 10 years later two more daughters They don't put those children up for adoption because they feel like, okay, it's 10 years later. You know, they're older. They're more stable financially. They're, you know, they're more mature. They're in a place where they are able to handle having children at this point. 10 years makes a whole fuck ton of difference. I mean, Alyssa goes from a 15-year-old to a 25-year-old. I mean, her insurance is cheaper now. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke, but it's serious. I mean, it, I mean, think even just 21 to 25 is such a big change. Such a big change. Can you imagine 15 to 25? No. I mean, meanwhile, Stephen went from 20 to 30 because he's a fucking 25-year-old that preyed on a 15-year-old online, but I digress. Yeah. And, but even with him, that's a huge difference, too. For sure. But, yeah. No, I know. He's gross. But even though they were older and more mature and a little more financially secure, it wasn't all coming up roses. Because Stephen still had some issues with anger and had a hard time keeping a job. So Alyssa carried the burden of supporting the kids and her, and him. Holy shit. In fact, I think I even read one at one point, there was a span of like eight years that he didn't have a job or was just like in and out of jobs. He just could not keep a job. And it sounds like with his fucking attitude, no fucking wonder. Right. Well, in 2016, Katie is 18. And just like any 18-year-old, well, any any kid that is adopted you know, they, they're curious about their biological parents. And she's 18 now, and she's curious, and so she's able to do some exploring on her own. So Katie is actually able to track Alyssa and Steven down. She figures out, you know, who her biological parents are, and she finds them on social media. And so she sends them messages, and she ends up 
being able to start talking to both Stephen and Alyssa online. Damn, what started online is now like bringing them together. Yeah, that, that's yeah. I didn't even think about that. And they develop a pretty good like relationship. She develops one like individually with each of them. And in June, when she graduates high school, she had plans to go to this community college in the area to study digital advertising. But then she was like, you know, I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to go to Virginia and live with Stephen and Alyssa. No. And her parents were like, ooh, I don't like that. But okay. I mean. Yeah, you can't say anything. And, you know, you can only voice your opinion. But she's an adult. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what are they going to do? Say, no, don't go? Um, okay, one, well, that's just going to make her go more. Right. And two, she's fucking 18. What are you going to do? Right. Other than they could cut her off financially and stuff. But, I mean, she's 18. What are you going to do? Yeah. If they said no, then she could just lie and leave and they would be out of the picture. Yeah. And if they cut her off, then that's just worse on her. You know, so that's a, that's a hard, this it's is a, why I can't be right. a parent. Okay, I know, it's a lose-lose situation. But then, you know, you kind of also want her to meet them and experience her biological parents. But then on the other hand, I can imagine that they are probably a little protective and a little jealous and a little, you know, yeah. it's like. I mean. All of those emotions are valid on both fronts, you for know. sure. I know, I, I say I know, I don't know what I would do because. Obviously, I don't know. But I feel like I would be like, all right. But we're sitting down and we're going to talk about everything because we don't feel safe with you living there with them because you were in a situation that you weren't safe in because there was abuse. Yeah. You know, and so, hey, it's a long time, you know, and people can change. And we hope he has changed. But, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. But did they know about the abuse? I don't know. I don't know either. Because, you know, they just put her up for adoption versus... True. You know, it wasn't like there was, like, social services involved or anything like that. So they may not even know about the abuse. That's true. God, see, this is why I can't do... Like, oh, God, if they didn't even know. Well, in August of 2016... Katie moves to Virginia to live with Stephen, Alyssa, and their two daughters. So when Katie moves in, you know, things are going great. Everybody's getting along. But Alyssa notices Stephen's acting different. Like, it's almost like he's showing out in front of Katie. You know, like he's peacocking. Like, he's, like, changing his appearance, like, trying to look cooler. Like, he starts wearing skinny jeans. He starts growing his hair out a little bit shaves his beard off, you know, to make himself look younger. Like, he's he's peacocking, right? It's like, okay, you're cool, dude. We get it. Meanwhile, Alyssa's, like, busting her ass to support everybody now. And Steven's just hanging out at home with his new skinny jeans on. At this point, Alyssa's and Steven's relationship is really rocky. Like, they're not even sleeping in the same bedrooms anymore like it's going south it's heading for divorce and it's just a matter of time at this point Alyssa sees that Stephen and Katie are getting really really close and Alyssa just wants Katie to be aware of Stephen's volatile behavior because you know he does have issues with anger and it wasn't uncommon that everybody kind of had to walk on eggshells around him. And if he wasn't happy, nobody was happy and he would break things around the house and, you know, it go into tantrums and that kind of thing. And, you know, we've already talked about the abuse that she sustained as a baby, you know, that kind of thing. And so Alyssa just wanted to be like, Hey, Katie, this is the stuff that happened to you as a baby. This is what it's been like for us. I just want to let you know, watch your back. And Katie's like, okay, whatever. You know, kind of blo- like 18-year-old kind of blows her off. Right. Okay, Alyssa, mm-hmm. you know. If you tell me that Katie falls in love with her dad, what the SVU <laughs> is going on? Well, then Stephen starts sleeping in the bedroom floor in Katie's room. What the ever-loving hell? And Alyssa's like, well, that's fucking weird. And she's like, Stephen, what the fuck? 
are you doing? That's really fucking weird. Yes. And he's like, no, it's not. Mind your fucking business. At this point, Alyssa is over Stephen and the marriage. And by November, she moves out and files for divorce. They share custody of the kids. And so now, most of the time, it's just Stephen and Katie in the house. How can they afford that? I don't know. But what Alyssa doesn't realize is that, yeah, Stephen and Katie have already crossed the line. Oh, my gosh. They are already having sex. (sighs) Katie is, quote, unquote, in love with her biological father. And he is... In love with her, and they are having a sexual relationship. Is this what that SVU is based on? Oh, I don't know. Again, Alyssa knows it's weird, their dynamic, but she doesn't know how weird it is. Until late May of 2017, Alyssa finds her 11-year-old daughter's diary, and she reads that Katie is pregnant. And that Stephen now wants the kids to refer to Katie as their stepmom and not their sister. What? And in this daughter's diary, she talks about how Stephen is the devil and that Katie's like human. But if they're having a kid, like, does that make their baby the spawn of the devil? Like, she's trying to understand in her diary, like, and she draws them as like demons like because she's she hates her dad so much you know because she knows it's wrong and he's mean and you know and she's trying to wreck you can see because there's like pictures of this diary on the internet wow and you can see her trying to reconcile this because and it's in kid handwriting and it's just fucking heartbreaking wow well when Alyssa sees this, she is like, Steven, are you fucking kidding me? Katie's pregnant with your fucking kid? What did I just fucking read? And he's like, oh, I thought you knew. Oh, my gosh. We're in love. Oh, my God. And she's like, have you lost your fucking mind? And so Alyssa calls the police. She's like, y'all are gonna believe this shit. But my ex-husband and my fucking daughter are in a relationship, and she's pregnant. And so the police interview the kids, but they don't make an arrest. Later that summer, Stephen and Katie moved to North Carolina. Again, how would... I don't know how, because I don't think either one of them have fucking jobs. I don't fucking know. Then in July, July 20th of 2017, Stephen and Katie go to Maryland... And they fucking get married. What the actual fuck? So, okay. It's not legal to marry your child in Maryland. Let's be clear. It's not legal. I was about to say, um, Maryland? No. No, no, no. We're not looking at you, Maryland. You, you didn't do anything wrong. But they were able to get legally married because, well, her name is mm. not his name. And she was adopted. And they lied own the marriage license application thing and like or well didn't didn't lie necessarily they just didn't disclose that they were father and daughter because she's adopted and they don't have the same last name and all of that yeah so here's the thing this is so fucked up y'all they got married and there were guests in attendance at this fucking wedding who steven's mom what and Katie's adopted parents. What? I don't, sorry, I know I call them adopted parents, but just to, just to be clear that it was fucking the Fuscos. Yeah. What? Yeah. So Anthony and Kelly said the Fuscos. They said same thing about when she fucking moved in with Alyssa and Steven. They're like, I mean, what else is there to do but support her? No, not on that. Yeah. She's like, y'all have to see these pictures. She is like, Looks like eight months pregnant. It was the picture. There's a picture of her like eight months pregnant and they're kissing. And it is horrifying to know 
that that is a father and daughter kissing. Like if you just saw that, it'd be like, oh, and but when you, it's, it's like those fucking TikToks and it's like the truth be, behind it, the truth behind the fucking picture. Whoa. Oh my God. And like the pictures from the wedding, like they're all fucking smiling. Like they're all so happy to be there. Are you kidding? And what's even worse, like that is bad in itself. Incest is bad. He abused her uh-huh. and almost killed her as a baby. Allegedly. You Allegedly. Know, the stuff with the, the Sorry, yes. And again, all this all that about the abuse as an infant comes out after way after all this story's done. So I I do oh, want to the pinching? Yes. Okay. Oh, so okay. that's why I say like I don't I mean Okay. I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying she's not telling the truth, but I'm just saying there's no documented proof of it from back then. So that's my only like, I don't know. So on September 1st, 2017, Katie gives birth to, well, her father's son. Wow. So he is now his baby's father and grandfather. It's a little boy that they named Bennett. Which I do love that name, by the by. Yeah. And he's so precious. He's such a cute baby. Well, on November 29th, police issue arrest warrants for Stephen and Katie. They are finally arrested and charged with incest and adultery. Why adultery? I don't know. But they're charged with it. At first, Stephen's released first on bail and given a no contact order. And so the no contact order, that includes like social media, texting, calling, face, like literally emails, like literally no contact, like nothing, right? He's not going to abide by that. And all the while, Bennett is in the custody of Stephen's mom. Stephen is allowed to still see Bennett. He's just not allowed to contact Katie. Katie is bailed out. After Stephen, same thing, given a no contact order. But she goes back to New York with her parents. While she's there, you know, it's been a couple of months. And she's able to kind of take herself out of the situation and clear her head some. And she's like, no, I need to end this with him. Like, I need to end this relationship. Yeah. And so she thinks to herself, but I need to tell him. So she decides to break the no contact order to call Steven to break up with him. Dumb. So in April of 2018, she calls Steven to break up with him. And of course, that goes over like a fucking lead balloon. Right. Steven takes it horribly. It destroys him. He cannot cope with her ending this relationship. So he calls his mom. And he tells her that he's going to come pick up Bennett to hang out with Bennett for a little while. So on April 11th of 2018, he goes and picks Bennett up from his mom's and brings him back to his house. When he gets Bennett back to his house, he takes him into the closet and suffocates him. Oh my gosh. And then leaves his body there. I fucking hate him. Yes. Then he gets in his car and drives basically all night from North Carolina to New York. When he gets there, he waits outside of Katie's house in his van. He knows their routine. He knows that they're going to be leaving soon to go see Katie's grandma. So he's sitting in the van waiting when he sees Katie and Anthony go to leave the house and get in their truck. So, in his minivan, Stephen follows them. They don't get very far from the house when Stephen just can't wait any longer. As soon as they get to a stop sign, he pulls up beside them and starts shooting. He kills both Katie and her father. But before he had gotten to the house to kill Katie and Anthony, he had called his mom to tell her what he had done. His mom had already called 911 and had a wellness check done at the house, and they had found Bennett's body. Back in New York, by the time that 
a bystander who was an off-duty firefighter who had seen the whole incident with Katie and Anthony was calling 911. Stephen died by suicide. And so there's really no way to wrap this story up. I mean, it's a heartbreaking story where, I mean, lives were destroyed. And, you know, there is this thing that's come out. I don't even know how recently you would call it, but some people say that there is this term called genetic sexual attraction. And they say that when like a biological parent and a biological child meet in adulthood, sometimes they have these like intense feelings for each other that are almost like a, like a misbonding, they call it. And I don't know if they're like misinterpreting it as an attraction, but it happens. I, I don't know. You would think, you know, I asked one of my friends who's a psychologist, you know, I was like, have you, I mean, what do you, what do you think? What do you, you know, this genetic sexual attraction, like what, you know, and even they were like, you know, I, I would think that genetic makeup in those situations would run counter to sexual attraction. And that like, you know, they even say like mother nature doesn't want us inbreeding, you know? So I, I don't, it's just so bizarre. I guess I could see it a little bit only because certain people, it would only be certain people. It's not like every one of them. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I, on the SVU, I think they used that mm-hmm. term. But I, I think what, what that case was about, he was like a sperm donor or something. Yeah. And she found out, you know, like she found him or something, whatever. Yeah. And so they did it. I think that's it. But again, that was one of the things yeah. is like, that's how they coped with that or whatever. Yeah. But in this case, he raised her for eight months. She was eight months old when they put her up for adoption. Like yeah. this isn't like, you know, it was a one night stand or even that Stephen was with Alyssa through pregnancy or whatever. And then, you know, at birth, they put her up for adoption. It's not even that. They had her for eight months of her life mm-hmm. and then put her up for adoption. Yeah, but for him, I feel like his anger and how he would throw tantrums and stuff, he was very much, like, childlike. Yeah. No, he's, no, he's a fucking predator is oh, what he oh, is. Oh, he is. He is. And so she was, like, the new, the new model of what yes. he had gotten before and yeah. so it was like awesome you know and mm-hmm. she she probably did have that you know like yeah. she had comfort in you know he does want me he didn't want to give me up and right. all of that and then that got misconstrued right because we don't know how she was raised like with affection right and like sexually and stuff like with sex Ed and you know so like like with the openness and was it more like purity culture type yeah. thing and yeah yeah so you know what I mean so it could have been just like oh that's how you show affection okay you know right like, this is how they do it here and this you know like whatever well and you could just see how he started kind of grooming her with the sleeping on her floor and mm-hmm. you know it just it's so I mean, the whole the whole thing is just fucking disgusting. But, you know, he literally did to her what he did to Alyssa. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I just think, what does a 20-year-old want with a 15-year-old? And I think there are occasions where that's not that bizarre. But, I don't know. I just, knowing him and, like, the whole story, I'm like, he's ick. So that's ick. Because she's not old enough. Because she's not 18. And if that is what our legal age is, she's not a legal age. But our legal age isn't 18. For consensual sex, it is. Is it? I think. I thought it was 15. Oh. Okay, so we just Googled it two hours later. We Googled (laughs) it, and I did find a thing. However, it was from the Mississippi Department of Health and Human Services, and it was like a statutory rape, a guide to state laws and reporting (laughs) requirements. It was from 2004. 
Um, <laughs> a long time ago. But it's like literally the first thing that pulled up on yeah. Google. So I think that it's probably still accurate, question mark. But the youngest age for age of consent is 16. Most states are 16, 17, and then 18. But majority of states are 16. So I was the closest, but just saying. So at 16, I say whatever. I'm not saying as a parent you shouldn't say you're too young or you're young and... Well, she lived in Texas and Texas is 17, so... Well, that was in 2004. 1995 was different, I'm sure. And he lived in New York and it was 17, so... Well, look it up in 1995, ma'am. Well, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) I don't know what that laugh was. I'm just saying... Well, I was one of those people, you know, the 15-year-olds talking to the 20-year-olds... But honestly, it's because I've Benjamin buttoned intellectually and I was way smarter then than I am now. And so online, I didn't like talking to the people my age. They talked about stuff I didn't freaking care to talk about. So I talked to older people. Now I'm talking to younger guys and they're more on my wavelength <laughs> because uh, I've, I've regressed. I know I've said this before, but I just remember like one time in freaking like the summer before ninth grade talking in a chat room to this guy and he told me like I was 14 and he told me he was 38 and like we were like talking, you know, and it's like, wait, like looking back now, I'm like this 30 year, 38 year old was talking to me and he knew I was a 14 year old girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely had those, and that's not right. No, I know. And it's just like, but I just think back, and I'm like, God. Yeah. No, like, the person I'm thinking about, we're still Facebook friends. No, 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 no. You know, like, hell, we met, you met, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, no. But those people, yeah, no, 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 no. He didn't Benjamin Button in his smartness. No, he he just continued to get smart. And He's probably like, what happened to her? He really is. She didn't Benjamin Button. She's I totally smart. did, though. I did. I did. No, you just blossomed in different ways. Hmm. Well, hopefully your story isn't as ick. Definitely not. Also, though, I told you you'd agree with me on this one. So, podcast continues. All right. Well, I'm talking about a guy named Christopher Case. He grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and was really always into music. In Richmond, he was a radio DJ for a local station, but, of course, he wanted more. More meant moving, and to follow his passion, he didn't hesitate. When he was 35, he moved to Seattle, Washington, and started a new career with Muzak Holdings. You said music weird. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) So, I mean, it is exactly what they're saying. It's the elevator music and the whole music and all that lovely little toony music that you hear. They did that. It's the Muzak. Well... He worked as a music executive there, and he was in heaven because this job allowed him the opportunity to travel and talk to people who were as passionate about music as he was. No, no, no. Muzak. <laughs> Christopher had always been more of a chill-at-home type guy than go out to party. Like, hey, new album dropped. I'm going to stay up all night, listen to it. Y'all go have fun. But that didn't mean he didn't have friends, because he did. And even when he moved across country to Seattle, he kept in touch with all of his hometown friends. Yeah, just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you don't have friends. It just means you're an introvert. Right. And he easily made friends in Seattle, too. He was a really likable guy. He was a people person, and he had to be to be in the field he was in. But music wasn't his only passion. He was really into fitness. He worked out regularly and took daily vitamins and supplements. His health was really important to him and he made it a priority. All right. So all of that little background brings us to April 11th, 1991, your birthday. So my birthday was in both stories. I know. I know. 
Sucker. <laughs> Christopher went to San Francisco, California for a business meeting. He met some other music execs there, and I'm not sure if this was a little later in the night or if something happened at the same time of the business meeting, and then later him and this woman had like dinner or something. But anyway, Chris met this older woman, like 20 years older, and they had this mutual love of ancient music. Which I guess is why he liked Muzak. I don't know. But just shit that no one else really cared about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were like, oh my gosh. So I'm thinking they got to talking and her interest grew a little more. And she pursued him. But he wasn't interested in anything more than the conversation that they were currently having. Well, she asked again if he would escort her home or to the room. But he declined. So this rejection caused her mood to shift because, duh, rejection hurts. But instead of being sad, she was mad. She started looking at him and he described her look as kind of creepy. And then she proclaimed that she was a witch and she was going to curse him and he would die within a week. Of course, Christopher didn't take it too seriously or anything. So he was like, Okay, peace out. Sorry. You know, whatever. Bye. Well, the next morning, he headed back to Seattle without giving her threat another thought. However, on April 14th, Christopher called his friend Sammy and explained that he couldn't sleep because he kept hearing voices. Like strange whispers and that he could hear footsteps, but no one was there. And he felt like someone was watching him. And because of all this, he couldn't sleep. So then he confided in Sammy what had happened in San Francisco and was like, do you think this is all real? And they were both like, nah, probably not. Like, that's silly, right? That's too far-fetched. You know, whatever. Jet lag, all the things, you're stressed. It's going to blow over. But two days later, on April 16th, Christopher called Sammy again. But this time, he said he had been attacked. So, what happened, he was finally able to sleep at night, but while he was sleeping, he felt like someone was trying to strangle him. Again, he couldn't see anyone, but that's what he felt. So, unseen hands, we've heard it time and time again. Christopher said it felt as though his body was lifted off the bed during the attack, but he couldn't move at all. And he also noticed some cuts, like small cuts on his fingertips, and blood stains on his sheets, which that made me think of the night that the town, nope, the night that the lights went out in Georgia. Yes, like the judge in the town's got, got blood stains on his hands. Yeah. Anyway, so this you know has definitely progressed. Soon after the phone call, Christopher wasted no time. He went to a religious bookstore, and of course, the store manager Rodney Haguchi? Question mark. He was like, and what can I help you with today, sir? You know, he's, you know, what they all do when you walk in. And he's like, I need crucifixes and lots of them. So the store manager was like, okay, what's going on? And so Christopher went on about how he was cursed and how he felt supernatural powers were at play and that they wanted to hurt him. And so the manager was like, cha-ching. Just kidding. Just kidding. But seriously, he was like, okay. Here's some books that will help you against witchcraft, because that's what it sounds like to me. Well, of course, Christopher bought everything because he was scared because he literally had something happen to him that he couldn't fight against, couldn't see to defend himself against, and he had no idea what to do. When he got home, Christopher placed the crucifixes all throughout his apartment, along with the candles. He poured salt lines at all the entryways to every room. And just to note, Sammy wasn't the only friend who was receiving these, you know, paranoid-sounding, scared phone calls from Christopher. Lots were. Because by this time, you know, he, he didn't know what to do. He was just kind of calling multiple people that he trusted, just hoping they might have some suggestion. 
But Mo said that he, you know, said the same thing, that he was going to die soon because the witch was attacking him in his sleep. You know, she cursed him and he's going to die. Well, that night, it's really unknown what caused this, but Christopher left his apartment and stayed at a hotel. Well, it's 1991, no cell phones. And when Sammy hadn't heard from Christopher, she was like, huh, let me call and check on him. Well, she didn't get an answer. So she contacted the Seattle police to conduct a welfare check. And the reason why she had to contact the police is because she lived in North Carolina. So, you know, she's feeling helpless and scared. When the police got to Christopher's apartment, it was locked. So, you know, they can't break in. There's no signs of a struggle or anything off. So they just reported back that everything looked normal. But Sammy knew everything wasn't normal. And again, she just felt helpless and confused. On the morning of April 17th, she found her answering machine's light blinking. She hurriedly pressed play, hoping to hear Christopher's voice, and she finally was able to breathe a huge sigh of relief when she did, in fact, hear her good friend's voice. But then she listened to the words he was saying. Christopher said that they almost got him and that he was going to die today. And that same day, he went and visited a Catholic priest and he went back to that same bookstore and talked to that manager again. Everyone he talked to said he didn't seem too panicked like he had been before, almost as if he had succumbed to his fate, like he was saying his goodbyes without saying the words themselves. Well, the next day, April 18th, Sammy and another friend both called for a welfare check to be done on Christopher because, again, they hadn't heard from him for the remainder of the 17th, And, you know, that night he didn't check in. He didn't do anything. They couldn't get him. So they were like, no, this is not right. So the police went and instead of the door being locked like it had been before, this time it was unlocked and they were able to go inside. They found Christopher kneeling in his empty bathtub. His head was resting on the wall and he was facing the wall. So it was like his forehead was resting up against the wall. When they checked, they confirmed that he was, in fact, deceased. Gosh. And it was exactly seven days after his business trip to San Francisco when he was reportedly cursed to die within the week. There were no signs of a struggle or forced entry. He was fully clothed, and it looked as if he passed away while doing some sort of ritual. He had candles surrounding his bathtub that had all burnt out, salt lines again everywhere, including on the porch where he had laid them in like a geometric design. The crucifixes were everywhere and church music played softly in different rooms of his apartment. The police said that there were some other objects that were found at the scene that, quote, have some significance in self-protection against demon or evil forces. So I don't know what that is, but that's what the police said. So I was like, but what What do they be, though? <laughs> like what? But it could literally be anything. I know. But I'm like, but what is it? <laughs> so they, they said crucifixes. Mm-hmm. So what, a Bible? Holy water? Like, what else? I, I don't know. That's <laughs> a figurine of a fucking priest? I don't know. I don't know. Why wouldn't they say it? <laughs> Well, they also found letters and little scribbled notes about the witch, meeting her, about evil people who had been watching him, about all the stuff he was experiencing. Well, an autopsy was performed and revealed that Christopher's death was caused by myocarditis. So basically, inflammation. Of the heart, yeah. Yeah. Well, they linked Christopher taking vitamin supplements to this causing inflammation, But there was never really anything definitive from that. But it's also important to note that Christopher didn't have any symptoms of myocarditis, which can be like chest pain, abnormal heartbeat, shortness of breath, fluid retention, that kind of stuff. Again, he was just a healthy 35-year-old, exercised regularly, did not do drugs, 
did not drink alcohol, you know, nothing. I, I don't know. Other people say that, okay, well, athletes. Yep. You took the word right out of my mouth. Yeah. Deal with this. And, but other people say it's from them doing like steroids or no, something. No, there's like, sorry, I'm sorry. I'd like totally interrupted you <laughs> so like, like in such an asshole way. I didn't mean it. I was like, no, <laughs> but it happens to like high school athletes that have a genetic condition that leads them to that. So it has nothing to do with them doing steroids. They're just yeah. genetically predisposed. So not necessarily having anything to do with steroids of, of any nature, yeah. you know? I mean, I feel like 35 would be an age where you're kind of getting at that. I mean, you're kind of getting that age where shit like this going to start happening. Okay, but question for you. The answer is C. <laughs> Man, she's spicy today, y'all. Okay, so if if he didn't have any of those symptoms, mm-hmm. is that weird? No. Okay. I mean, there's literally a heart attack called the Widowmaker because most people don't even know they have it. You know, like they don't even know they have that blockage. And then you just have this heart attack. And but that's you, not what he had. No, I'm just saying like there's, but there's like literally heart attacks called that. Like there's, so people have these huge blockages in their heart that happen that it takes like time to build up and all of that. And then they just have these. You know what I mean? So you would think like, oh, you should have chest pain. You should have all that, blah, 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 blah. So it's like people have ailments all the time that they don't know they have. No, I get that. But for this certain thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that kind of doctor. You just play one on this podcast? Because you just cussed me out basically when you were like, <laughs> hell no. Well, if someone out there is smarter than Carrie, let us know. So literally everyone... Do you think he could have brought stress upon himself and caused his heart failure? For sure. Without a doubt. He was like literally walking around in pure terror that he was about to die. So you think he could will himself to die? Yeah. 100%. Did you or did you not say that you couldn't will yourself to die on the one that I covered? (laughs) (laughs) You looked up so <laughs> okay, I didn't know I was being deposed this let episode. Me, the fucking just mag this. light just got turned on me. <laughs> click, click. That was her fucking flashlight coming on. <laughs> but you know the one where she said that she was going to die before she was like 16 or whatever? And I was like, can she predict her own death? And can she do this? And you're like, no. Or something. I swear. I think you can will yourself. You know how fickle I am. You can ask me something Lord one day and I'm going to say no. And you ask me the th- same thing the next day and I'm going to say yes. Oh, oh, that's what fickle means? Awesome. Well, ask me tomorrow and I'll tell you a different definition. Lord knows. But today, yes, I think you can will yourself <laughs> to die. <laughs> All right. Do you think there's a possibility that he never actually met a woman and she could have been like a hallucination and... This was like a mental break for him. I kind of, okay, two things to that. One, I kind of wondered, was it like some sort of delusion? But we probably would have known if he had some sort of mental disorder that had delusions like that, you know, like schizophrenia, because he's 35 years old. And at that point, it's typically already diagnosed. So then I thought, like, okay, could it be, like, a brain tumor? But then, like, when they did the autopsy, they would have found that. So, I don't know. But then I was thinking, I mean, how many witches do we know? You know, they would not be like, you don't want to date me? Fine. I'm going to curse you to die. You know? like Right. I mean, I just feel like witches aren't like that. I mean, of course, there's always bad apples, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that's, like, a classic, like give witches bad names and like mm-hmm. there's paraphernalia in his apartment to, to ward off demons and you know and yeah. so it's just like okay you know right I think if this lady existed she wasn't a witch in the sense that we know like she was a different type of person she was that person who's gonna say that for the shock value and you know whatever or I don't know But they, you know, they were talking about ancient music. And I think they were talking about, like, Egyptian 
religious music that was found and, you know, all of that. So it's like, that's kind of eerie anyway, when you think about it. Like, I don't know, because it made me think about that, um, that song that when people would listen to it, I think it was called Bloody Sunday. God, I covered it. I'm sorry, y'all. But uh, that they would die by suicide, a lot of them. And it was like, is this song making them do this? Sorry, Gloomy Sunday is what it was called. Yeah. But it's like, what if they were listening to some of this music or something? Like, I don't know. And maybe she didn't say that, but... Like, maybe she said, you know, like, she got mad or something, but that's what he heard from that. I, I don't know. But what if he really was cursed? Because I believe in curses, too, so... Oh, yeah. I mean, I believe in curses. But the witches on Disney, they are very specific with their curses, so... um Well, I mean, if you believe in the Bible, the Passover, even... Yeah, so, like, I don't know. I, I, don't I mean, know. it's not necessarily, like, a curse, but it's God saying that, like, he was going to take the firstborn son, unless you put, like, lamb's blood or whatever uh-huh. over the house. So, it's like, yeah. I mean, kind of is, you know? Yeah, and maybe she wasn't a witch, but maybe she was, like, that spiteful person, and then she went and found someone who practiced i i don't know i don't know either i don't know it's hard because i do believe in curses and i believe in like manifestation and you know different things like that so it's hard for me to write it off as anything but i also believe you know like you said you put that into someone's mind that you're gonna die within a week and even like okay he brushed it off but then in his subconscious, something happened. And let's say it was real, and that night it happened, like that, the voices, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's like, that's not normal. Oh, my God. Like, is it real? Then you're going to start being hypersensitive to everything. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't a curse, like, to kill him. Even if it was something that had a shadow person or what like y'all I don't know I'm just kind of talking out of my ass here out loud sorry but he had that and then he did like kind of manifest his own death Mm -hmm. because he was too like hypersensitive and you know he went too far over the edge trying to like do this ritual and all of this stuff to counteract what he thought was against him and for that matter we don't know what in the fuck he opened up or did with all of the things that he read and did in those books. Right. Or could that person that he met even at that bookstore taken advantage of him? We don't know. Right. Because the thing is, the store manager said, that sounds like witchcraft. Here's all the stuff to fight witchcraft. Um, well, there's lots of different things. It's not just like, oh, witchcraft. Here's all you need to know. Well, it's not just like, that's very general and there's different religions and different practices and different. Yeah. That's like, like being like, here's everything you need to know about Christianity. Boom. Yeah. Uh, okay, sir. Absolutely. There's nothing that there's no way you have everything you need to know about Christianity in this place. Right. So we, you know, like he didn't know what he was combating, But he was only fighting what that one person said, okay, this is what you need. And it's from a religious bookstore that sees a lot of things as evil. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just really sad that he did lose his life. Yeah, absolutely. And his last week was in total chaos and sadness. And, you know, just, I can't even imagine just how he felt. I really do hope that if the witch is real, that's not really what happened. I don't know. Like, that's some fucking dark magic. Right. And it just gives people a bad name, you know? I totally get what you're talking about because this lady doesn't have to be a bad person either. She got rejected. And that's how she, you know, did it. I'm not saying, like, if you get rejected, like, retaliate. 
not saying that, but I'm just thinking about that sinister sightings that we had about astral projection and that guy that like they were friends like on the internet and she woke up and she felt like he was there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, were you in my house or something? And he was like, nah. And then another time he, he came and she saw him again. And I think he said something that like kind of tipped her off. Like, no, you were in my house. Like he did astral project, you know? And it was like, he was kind of obsessed with her. Yeah. And like, he's invading her privacy. Like she was sleeping he wasn't a bad person that we know of, but like they were friends and all of this, but she didn't want more. He did. And he took the means he had and did what he wanted to do with them. You know what I mean? Like, well, I could do this. Yeah, but it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. I'm just saying, I don't think she's like, what can I do that's evil with this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that anyone, well, I don't, hmm. Yeah, I think you're just trying to look for the good in people because... I think so. Yeah, I I think you are because if you're going to do that to someone, you are an asshole. Yeah. Like, fair and square, you're an asshole. I do want there to be good people. Well, there are good people, but there are also assholes. Yeah. There's one of each in here. Yeah, you're the asshole. Okay. (laughs) I just was such a good comeback, Donna. (laughs) I just talk out of mine. I'm not even go. Uh, I'm not touching that with a ten foot dildo. <laughs> I would like it too much. I know. <laughs> I'm not giving you the pleasure. <laughs> Touche. Oh God. Well. Okay. So what do you think happened? He really just had the inflammation of the heart. Yeah, he probably had the inflammation of the heart, and literally, like. There could have been a girl, and she was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking curse you. And he had the inflammation of the heart because he literally worried himself to death. Or he just had the inflammation of the heart. And no, because he told his friends. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe he just scared himself to death. Like, Like, worried himself, scared himself to death. But something, like, tipped him off. You know, something, like, set him off. So, what was it? You know, was there really a girl? I think so. But I don't know. Again, she might have said it. But again, I mean, people say shit that they don't mean. Yeah. Well, we may never know what caused Christopher's death. It's sad because he was young. He was. And finally living what he wanted to do, you know. Mm -hmm. And with my story, it's so freaking sad that Anthony, Katie, and Katie's son, Bennett, all lost their lives at the hand of Stephen, and then who ultimately died by suicide himself. There's just so much, just that whole story was just disgusting. So much trauma, so much, I feel like mental illness, it just so much. And I feel so sorry for Alyssa and the two other biological kids that have to deal with this. Yes. They have to, I mean, they lost their father, they, lo- they finally found out that they had another sister, and then now she's gone. Well, found out they had a sister, then were forced to call her their stepmom. And then they had a baby. You look at that 11-year-old's, at the time, diary, and there's so much anger mm-hmm. and confusion. And, you know, she'll never be able to process through that with her dad. She's going to have to figure yeah. out how to do that on her own. And so many people have to do that because of shitty relationships with their parents or their parents pass on or whatever. But I just hate for her to have to do that at such a young age. Yeah. And through no fault of her own, which it never is through the fault of the kid. But you know, it just, just sucks that her dad made such shit decisions and it impacts them. Yeah. And you know, Alyssa has so much guilt for leaving when she shouldn't, you know? Right. But she can't help it because she's a mom. Well, but it's not, it wouldn't change anything because no. Stephen was sleeping in Katie's room even when Alyssa was still living for there. For sure, for sure. And Katie was in it to win it even before because when Alyssa tried to warn her about the abuse, mm-hmm. she was just like, okay, just, you know, very flippant about mm-hmm. it and, you know, nonchalant, just didn't care. Yeah, oh, for sure. So they were, I mean, allegedly in love 
as they call it. Ugh, mm-hmm. I can't like I can't even say it. It like it, it like gives me chill. Like sends shivers through my body to even say to call what they had in love. Like sends shivers down my body. Well, because we know they weren't, and that's evident by when she was taken out of that situation. Katie was like, "Huh, yeah, this this isn't right. Yeah, maybe I should end this. Actually, I'm going to." Yeah. It's just so hard, too, because it's such, like you're in a place where you, you don't want to victim blame because it's, it's not her fault, Katie's fault, the decisions that Stephen made. Right. But you also want to be like, she broke the no contact order. Like, she should have just let it go, you know, instead of calling him to be like, I want to end it. Just fucking let it go. You know, y'all, y'all have this no contact order. Y'all had gone a cut like a month or more without talking. Just fucking let it go. But she just had to call him, you know. But again, I'm not saying that that's what led to her getting murdered. No, Stephen is what led to her getting right. murdered. Stephen not being able to cope with his emotions. Stephen being a piece of shit human is what led to her getting murdered. Right. So let's be clear. Should she have broken the no contact? Absolutely not. She broke the fucking law. There was a no contact order by the judge. She broke the law. But does that mean she gets she get murdered? Fuck no. Right. So did she make a bad decision? Absolutely. Should she fucking die? Hell no. Right. And should she be blamed for what happened to her? Hell no. fucking no. And it just shows his disregard for life that he murdered Bennett. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why he murdered Anthony. Like, I mean, I guess he was just... That was the moment, like the opportunity that he could do it. Collateral damage, for lack of a better word. But it's just like, well, why not wait until she was alone? Like, why not have taken her out when they were walking out to the car or whatever? Like, I just don't understand. But also, Anthony was her dad. But Anthony and... Kelly did everything to support them. They fucking went to your wedding. Like, they let her do anything that she wanted to do. Like, why take him out? Well, but he took his own son out. True. But still, it just makes... And I guess, again, like I always tell you, we're trying to fucking put logic to the illogical. So there's there's no way we're going to make any sense of it. But we do want to know what y'all think happened to Chris. Yes, please, please. Definitely tell us what y'all think happened to him because we could go round and round and round. Well, this happened, then this happened, but what about this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we we always want to hear y'all's feedback. Absolutely. Well, because, you know, we argue all the time. I mean, it's it's not a, not a day goes by <laughs> that we don't bicker about something. We are an old married couple. We really are. But if you like our bickering or, you know, whatever the fuck we're doing right now, can you leave us a review on iTunes? Because that really helps us. Or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now. Yeah, that really, really helps us. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media at the APC Podcast. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.